You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Okay, I take it this is probably not what you expected to see on Sunday morning here on this uh, happy New Year's Eve uh, today. But we are so happy that you are here. Uh, man, things can change, you know, okay? I mean, and that's what we're all about, is that things do change. You know, there's, we have uh, all sorts of uh, uh, situations that we think they're hopeless. We think things are like a lost cause. We think, oh my goodness, this will never, ever be straightened out. We'll never be able to recover from this. And we're here today with some good news that things do change. As a matter of fact, you know, as I am here, you know, t- speaking of change, because I didn't really ask permission to show up like this on the stage, I might have to change jobs uh, in the very near future. So, but we'll, we'll see how that develops. But as we continue today, we just want you to know that there is a change. And so just like I can be, I can be the motorcycle guy, I did not drive my motorcycle today. It's a little too cold, okay? But, okay, I can go from the motorcycle guy to the business casual in just a matter of seconds. That's nothing, com- <laughs> that's nothing compared to the transformation that, w- that we're going to talk about in people's hearts and lives and what happened to them uh, as we will see, look in the scripture today. You know, by our standards and our fleshly abilities, we think that there are just this, so many lost causes. But you know what? By God's grace and by his standards, you know, he, all things are possible through him. And we are able to say, stand here today and say that when you put God in control, there is no such thing as a lost cause. Things often do not appear, uh, do not, are not actually as they appear. Uh, I'm reminded of a situation I found myself in some years back. As a matter of fact, we had a, uh, we had a music event here, and it's been so long ago. I mean, it's probably 11 or 12 years ago now. We were still over in the, in the gym. But after that uh, event, my immediate family uh, and my son-in-law Kevin and his parents and us, we decided to go get real ice cream at the real ice cream store. Not that yogurt stuff, okay, but the real ice cream. Now, this is when it was located, you know, in uh, Helmsdale over there near uh, Liberty Road and, and Man of War. So we leave and we go and we, uh, we, we get out of the car in the parking lot and we immediately notice that there's some sort of a disturbance taking place in the parking lot. And the long and, sh- the long and short of the story is the new girlfriend had, uh, or the old girlfriend, excuse me, had come to beat up the new girlfriend at her place of employment there at the ice cream store. Well, uh, d- due to our numerous trips and uh, the frequency with which we, we would uh, patronize that wonderful location, uh, we developed a relationship with the manager. Her name was Teresa. So much so that uh, her nickname was uh, T-Bird. So uh, we see that there's this disturbance between the old girlfriend and the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend. And so uh, we go in, we order ice cream, and Amy suggests, she says, Dad, watch out, this guy, it looks like he's going to cause trouble for uh, T-Bird. 
And sure enough, uh, that is what happened. So I sent the family all out to the sidewalk, and they sat down on the little patio, little cutesy patio uh, chair, table and chairs, and, you know, enjoyed their ice cream while I hung back in the, uh, in the store. Well, sure enough, he's, he's trying to, uh, she's trying to push past T-Bird, uh, past the counter, and go to the supply closet where T-Bird has secured the new girlfriend. The new girl, girlfriend's locked in the, in the closet, and he's wanting to get back there to her for whatever reason. So she's not going to let him back there. It gets a little physical, and so he, he decides he's going to push his way back there. At which point, I decided that maybe this is when I need to, to, to intervene. So in my most authoritative voice possible, I said, hey, hey, hey. We're not going to have that in here. You could have heard a pin drop, much like here now, as the patrons all filed out of the store. So he seemed to come to the conclusion, though, that I was interfering in something that was none of my business, to which he wanted to get a little touchy with me. So So things seemed to have to escalate. So when he got touchy with me and was just going to push me, I took matters into my hand and gave him the forearm of his, up against his chin up against the wall and trying to get him to settle down. So I'm trying to, while I'm doing this, here comes the old girlfriend in the door. Yeah, she's wailing and she's cussing and she's mad and she's, now she's clawing at him. Now I've got him up against the wall. And I'm holding her off with the other hand. And she's getting all, all this. Not a pretty picture. About that time, three Metro Cruisers and five patrol people showed up there. And I look like the aggressor. I look like the baggage. I got this kid pinned up against the wall, holding off this girl. This officer comes in, grabs me around the waist, lifts me up off the tip, plops me down in a chair, and was about to put handcuffs on me when, thank goodness, T-Bird said, oh, no, 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 no. He's trying to help. He's not the troublemaker here. It's this girl that she's, she's trying to get back here and trying to cause a fight. So that when they turned their attention to her, she violently got profane with them, to which they did take her to the ground. And they, put, they did uh, put handcuffs on her. So we got all things sorted out. They realized that I was there. I was the good Samaritan, the good citizen, you know, trying to help and intervene, that sort of thing. The, the parents of the boy showed up. They were all very appreciative and that sort of thing. We got, we got it all sorted out. But the girl, the old girlfriend, was going downtown. And so they had her handcuffed, and she's going out the door. And all this time, my family now is sitting out on the sidewalk, watching through the window as I'm getting accosted, okay, almost arrested and put in handcuffs myself, okay, and they're just watching me, okay, what's taking place, and this girl's coming out, they're escorting her out. Macy, who was about four years old at the time, said, in her most melodious voice, said, bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do when they come for you? (laughs) To which her mother put her hand over her face, okay was not a great testimony of the amount of TV that we had been watching up to that point, evidently. Well, you see, things don't necessarily, are not necessarily the way they appear. And that's the case with us today. You see, uh, the patrons that night were sure 
that I was a lost cause when I st- tried to take control of the situation. The police officer were certain that I was a lost cause because I was the aggressor. And by all appearances, it was a, a lost cause. But when we sorted it out, it was not as it appeared. You see, like in many, many things, by human standards, it may be a lost cause. But by, with God, all things are possible. And all things can come to flourishing for him, for his glory. You know, we have printed on your bulletin a list of scriptures. Now, we're not going to have time to go through all of these scriptures and read all of them, but I'm going to give you a quick mini-synopsis of each one of the many lost causes that there are in the Bible. And this is not all of them. This is not an exhaustive list at all. But, you know, here we have, in Mark 2, we have this lame man. Okay, he couldn't walk. His friends brought him to a house where Jesus was, and there were so many people there that he couldn't even get in the house. They couldn't get in the house. And what did they do? They go up on the roof, they tear a hole in the roof, and they lower him down just so that he might be able to be ministered to by Jesus. And Jesus said to them that day, because of these people's faith, he says, he said in the, uh, in, in the scripture, he says, he said, would you take up your mat and walk? And that's exactly what he did. You know, in Matthew uh, uh, 9, and in John 9 also, there's the account of the blind man. You know, and there wasn't any LASIK surgery back then. There wasn't any cataract surgery. There wasn't any, any, uh, any, any implants. You know, it was, this guy was destined to a life of blindness, not being able to see, until he, w- he came into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus touched his eyes, and his eyes were, re- and his sight was restored. Luke 17, we see that there's 10 lepers. You know, and they, they call out from a distance uh, to the Lord. What did they say? They said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And Jesus sent them to the priest, and, and they were healed. Now, part of this story is that out of that ten that were healed, one guy was a Samaritan. And the Samaritans, you know, were the ones that were the downtrodden. They looked, up, they were da- looked down upon. Uh, they were not regarded at, at all. And, but this Samaritan guy is the only one out of ten that came back and said, thank you, and praised Jesus for what he had done. That's a whole other sermon that we'll, we'll get into at another time. Mark 5 is a story of the, of the man with that evil spirit, and he was so violent. First of all, he lived in the cemetery. Can you imagine? He lived among the tombs, they said, but he was so violent, nobody could, could, could contain him. Even with chains, they could not hold him. And when uh, the, the evil spirits that were in there, I think his, I remember the, the, the story, his name was Legion. There was a bunch of them, okay? And Jesus gave them permission to go into a herd of swine, okay? And they did. They went, ran, went into these pigs. The pigs ran over a cliff down into the lake and drowned. And it relieved that guy, and he was restored, and he was able to communicate and be a productive member of society. The second sermon on that is that the people were upset about that because they lost their pigs, you know? People would rather have their pigs than to have Jesus Christ, and that's another message in, in and of itself. Hopefully, I'm not that person. You know, then we have the, the, the story of the Samaritan woman, uh, John 4, you know, and she, they were at the well. And you remember that uh, she comes uh, uh, to Jesus, and she, she had, she had uh, five husbands, and the one that she was living with at the time was not even her husband. So by all standards, she was a lost cause. But Jesus showed her who he is, and the love that is available for her so that she recognized Jesus as the Messiah, and she went away proclaiming that. Then we have uh, in John 8, we read about the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, okay? And they brought and they wanted to stone. They said, what should we do? Should we stone her? After Jesus eliminated all of her accusers, he looks at her 
He redeems her, and he says, he says who's, who's here to accuse you? He says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. And then we have Matthew, who, who was one of the apostles of Jesus. He was a tax collector. He cheated people all the time. That was the method of operation, is that they collected more than, they, than was due so that they could make a big profit on it. And when Jesus passed by, all that he said was, follow me. And he did. And it changed his life forever and for all of eternity. And then we go on down into chapter 8 of the book of John. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm off. That's not it. So the, uh, I've lost my place, okay? Getting all, we talked about John. We talked about Matthew. We talked about the tax collector. Oh, who's the other guy? The other tax collector was Zacchaeus. Remember this guy? He was kind of a short guy. He was vertically challenged, as uh, some of my loved ones want to tell me about that. And he said he just wanted to get a look at who this guy Jesus was. And so what did he do? The song says that he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And Jesus, as he was passing by that way, he caught his eye. And he saw him and he said, come on down. I'm inviting myself to go to your house and to stay. He did. This guy was changed so much from the inside out that his heart was changed so much that everybody that he had cheated, he paid back four times what uh, he, had, he had cheated them of. And one of the greatest <coughs> examples of being redeemed is we, we call it in Luke tw- uh, 15, we call it uh, the prodigal son. But it's more correctly described as the lost son and the jealous brother. And this kid was the younger brother, and he was, he, he, he was, just, he was rambunctious, but, you know, he actually said, he went to his father, and he says, I cannot wait for you to die. Would you give me your inherit, my inheritance now? The father loved him enough that he did. He gave it to him. And then he goes off and he squanders all of his, uh, his, his inheritance on rambunctious living and wild lifestyle, and he finds himself homeless uh, friendless, penniless, and he's feeding the pigs. And he realized that he had sinned. And when he turned to his father and said, I have sinned, his father accepted him back with open arms. He ran to him. He put a robe on him and a ring on his finger. And he loved, but the jealous brother, that's the other side of that. I have to be careful about myself sometimes. The jealous brother was unhappy about this. He said, what do you mean? I've been here all the time. I've been faithful. I've been taking care of everything. And you give this squanderous, you know, rebellious, heathen, you know, uh, his position back. And the father said to him in verse 32, says, uh, but we had to celebrate. We had to be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So then we come to another lost cause, was a member of the Jewish council. You know, the Jewish council, they opposed Jesus at every turn, every place that he, he went. They tried to trick him up. They tried to cause, cause him to, uh, to stumble, or they tried to catch him in a, in a lie or catch him in, a, in breaking the law. They just, whatever they could do to discredit him. And this guy was part of that Jewish council. His name was Nicodemus. And he, said, he asked about, how can I be saved and Jesus said, he need to be born again. He said, well, how can I be born again? He didn't understand. It was a lost cause. I can't be born again. But Jesus showed him that there was no lost cause, that he truly could be born again. And that sets up 
one of the most famous verses of all of Scripture. We base mostly everything that we do here on this, okay? And it's John 3.16. Most of you can quote it by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. But you know, that, and as important as that is, the emphasis comes in the next verse, in verse 17. Because verse 17 says, uh, For God did not send his Son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And finally, there was a thief on the cross. My goodness, what, what, what more catastrophic lost cause could there be than a criminal who's being crucified for his, for his crimes? And he looks at Jesus and he says, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus answered him and he said, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, in God's eyes, there are no lost causes. There is not a lost cause in a person. You are not a lost cause. I am not a lost cause. As helpless and helpless as I am in, in my inabilities, it's, I'm not a lost cause. When we just ask Jesus to come into our heart, we recognize him for, the, for, for our Savior, for forgiving us of the sins that we have committed, then he can do amazing things. Now, here we are about halfway point, okay, halfway point of the message. I want to ask the children from Jesus Junction and the Rock, would you come down here? I think, is Miss Kathy here? She, she's, going to, she's going to direct traffic. But we have some area marked off down here in the tape. Just come right on down. Come on, let's, let's go, uh, as we would say in uh, the Dominican Republic, rapido, rapido. Okay, so uh, come right on down here and just sit right down here on the front, okay? And I would like to talk to you for just a minute, if I could, please. Okay, just turn around and sit down the crisscross applesauce. How's that? Okay. All right. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you for putting up with, uh, with me. Thank you for uh, coming in and, and listening, okay, and uh, being a part of this. So just come right on in, fill in the back here. Everybody's in good shape, okay? All right. Come right on over. Let's, let's come on over here. Let's, uh, you know, just, uh, you might want to take a couple of steps forward. I think we're, we're getting them good. Okay, here we go. All right? All right. Now, can you hear me in the back? Can you hear me? Okay. All right. So, so again, I can't tell you how, how much I appreciate you coming and being a part of this today. Okay? All right? So, have you ever heard the term, you can't judge a book by its cover? Huh? Who, who, I heard yes over here. This, late, this little girl said, okay. What is that? Can you tell me what that means? She says, don't judge people by, the, by how they look. What, what do, do you agree with that? Yes. What do you think? Don't look at the outside, right? Okay. But look maybe, okay, don't, don't judge by who they are. Well, you know, that, that's, that's exactly right, Okay. And lots of times there are things on the outside that we, all, we just automatically assume that's what's on the inside, don't we? Like, did you see that crazy man come out here in that motorcycle outfit? Huh? Okay. You might think that he was a, he's a wild and crazy guy, right? Okay. Well, truth may be told, I probably am, okay? But 
It was me. That's right. Okay. That's right. I am the crazy dude. That's exactly right. Okay. But many times, okay. And so one of the things, one of the, one uh, to visualize this a little bit here this morning. I want to ask you to. Uh, uh, I want to ask you. Does it, do people here like hot dogs? Look at this. Look at look at this. Huh? This this is a this is a wonderful source of of processed food nourishment. Okay. So it, okay, it, it's processed food. So you don't eat it, do you? Oh, you do eat it. Okay. All right, okay. And then I have some pancakes here. What about this? Okay, pancakes. Oh, you like pancakes? Okay. We're probably, okay, they've been there for a little while because I've been here for the first But here's what, but we like to put things on our pancakes or in, in, our, in our, so so who, on their hot dog, who likes ketchup on their hot dog? Okay. You like ketchup? Okay, would you come up here and put, get ready to put ketchup? Who likes mustard? Oh, this one likes, nope, nope, no mustard. This one likes mustard? Come on up here. Would you get behind the mustard, okay? And now on the pancakes, we usually put syrup, right? Okay. Do you like syrup? Okay, would you come up here then, okay? All right? Okay. All right, now, so so here we are. We'll just say we're at a picnic or we're at breakfast or whatever. Where's your favorite place to eat breakfast? Your mother's kitchen. Right, right, that's a good answer. That's always a good answer, okay? Well, would you mind to put the mustard on the first hot dog there, and let's see uh, if, if that's what we expect. Can you do that for me, please? And let, let's see. Can you see? Can you everybody see? Uh, oh, it's not mustard. It happens to be ketchup. Well, let's try the ketchup then. Let's, let's see. You like mustard? Okay, well, maybe you'll get some mustard then. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay, we got... Okay. Uh, uh, okay, okay, all right. So that's not exactly what you. So what do you think is in this? And what are you going to put on the? What are you going to put on the, the pancakes? Mustard. Well, let's see if, if that's what it is. Okay, mustard. you're a you're a brilliant deductionist. That's exactly that's exactly right. Okay, all right. So most of these, then most of this. Okay, thank you all very much. Okay, you can come back right again and have a seat. Thank you. You did a great job. Okay, most of these things that happen. Okay. You know, are not what we expect. And sometimes we say, oh, that's okay. I can eat mustard instead of ketchup. But other times we say, ooh, you're going to put syrup on your It's what's inside that really affects our enjoyment of that food, right? Could you get me, Jefferson, get me one of those Pop-Tarts over there, please. I was supposed to have one on this table. I forgot it, okay? This is a Pop-Tart Sunday. I don't know if you've been here on the last Sunday or the first Sunday of the year, okay? But we call it Pop-Tart Sunday, okay? So, uh, yeah, so today... Okay, two, three. This is a Pop-Tart, okay? All right, so, okay, okay. Now, here's it is. I have, I have one of these for each of you, okay? But what is important about this is that I can almost, I can almost smell the goodness of this, the, 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 this nutrition in here, okay? And that's, but, how, how, but, for, but for me to enjoy this pop I mean, I can smell it. What do I have to do to eat it? Oh, I have to open it. You mean I have to take I have to take the wrapper off of it? Is that what you mean? Okay, so I take the wrapper off of it. So it's not really what's on, what's on the wrapper that's important, is it? It's what's inside the wrapper. But you know what? There's something deeper than that. Because if you're familiar with pop tarts, as many college students are who who have finished their whole college career eating these every morning on the way to class, what's inside of a pop tart that makes it extra special? What? Jelly, that's exactly right. It's got the jelly filling, okay? So the filling is what makes it super, super delicious, okay? That's what, what I really like. So after we, after, we, after we get past the wrapper and we look, what's in, we look what's inside there, okay, what we really can enjoy is the, is the filling in this Pop-Tart. Well, you see, we don't want to look at just the outside, Okay? You know, there was, an, there was an Old Testament prophet that was looking for a king. God had sent him to, dis, to, to, uh, to, 
to uh, anoint a king for Israel, okay? And he looked for the best looking, the tallest, the most handsome, the most charismatic, the best speaker that he could find. And none of them met with God's approval. You know why? Because in 2 Samuel, let's see, 6, verse 7, it says, God look, does not look the way man looks. Man looks on the outside. Somebody said that about the book and the cover. Man looks on the outside. But where does God look? He looks in your heart. That's exactly right, okay? So today, I want you to remember, okay, that it's what's inside of us, what's inside the wrapper and even inside the Pop-Tart, what's inside of our heart. When Jesus comes into our heart, that changes us so that we can be a different person. We can be a child of his, and that we can enjoy all of the sweetness and all of the good flavor that even a Pop-Tart might have, okay, and that, and that. So there's, as you leave right here, we'll put Pop-Tarts on either side of the steps, and you can get one. Now, here's the thing, here's the thing. Okay, do not open it until you have your parents' permission, okay? You heard, you heard Pastor Monty, you know, say that we had to be careful about making a mess in here and that sort of thing, so make sure you have your parents' permission before you open it. So you can get it as you go. If you, you just go. Would you give them a hand for being up here and being a part of this? Thank you all very much. Okay, let's go this way. Let's go that no, no, that's okay. All right, thank you all. Hold your hand. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right, aren't they wonderful? That's right, somebody's clapping. Let's give them a hand as they're getting off the stage here. Okay, so you know, speaking of wrappings. And getting past the wrappings, I'd like to wrap this up today with one last uh, example of a, the most seemingly lost cause. His name was Saul of Tarsus. We, mostly, mostly, we refer to him as the Apostle Paul because he wrote a big portion of the, uh, of the New Testament. He was a great inspiration became a great evangelist. He was reaching the Jews and the Gentiles. He wanted to reach the entire world with, uh, with, with the gospel. But you know, before that, he was quite a scoundrel. As a matter of fact, he, he, in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, the last verse, we, we see that he was actually there when they were stoning Stephen. And uh, he was tending the coats. The next verse in chapter 8, verse 1, says that he, he actually approved of is stoning. He says, uh, it tells us that he, he approved of his death. And the, the scripture goes on to say that on that day, great persecution broke out amongst, against the church in, in Jerusalem. And he began to destroy the church, going from house to house, dragging off men and women and putting them in prison. This is not the guy that, you, that we normally think of as being, you know, the great writer and inspiration for our, for our Christian walk. But look what he says about himself in chapter 26 of Acts. He says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that it was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. I tried to force them to blaspheme, and in my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. You know, you may be here today, and you may not be a Christian. 
You may not even claim to be a Christian. And you're thinking, all of the things that I have done in my past, how could God forgive me? Well, I'm certain that this guy, Paul, who was Saul at the time, had the very same thoughts. His whole purpose was to eradicate and to to destroy the church so that the gospel of Jesus Christ would not only be stopped, but would never even be heard of. And instead, you know, he went, about, he went uh, from place to place. And he, tried to, he blasphemed and he tried to force others to blaspheme. That means to, to renounce who Jesus is, to say Jesus is not the Son of God. Jesus is not the Messiah. Jesus is not who he says he is. And he, he, that was his whole purpose in life, was to destroy that message. He assisted in the, in the death of, Saint, of Stephen and, and other saints, he tells us. And he says he voted against them. He said, kill them. You know, the old movies, he would put his thumb down to kill them. He destroyed people going from their homes. And, and he, when he says they, he would drag his men and women off to prison, who knows what happened to the children? Did they become orphans or were they dragged off to prison also? You know, he's persecuting them and he's beating them and he's threatening them and with violence and torturing them to renounce their faith in Jesus. And he's causing all kinds of injury and suffering and pain. And just like we hear so often today, this is the first century guy that was the, a radical religious terrorist. He was trying to scare people to death into to renouncing their faith. This guy, and you tell me that he's in the Bible? You mean to tell me that he is a Christian? Yes, because the Lord Jesus Christ has, has already determined that there is no lost cause. He can take even a scoundrel like Saul. And when he had an encounter with him on that Damascus road, he changed him and he will reach out to you and to anyone no matter what you have done, where you have been, or where you are going. And that is what God wants for us also. Just look at, at his response, though, after that. His life changed. He changed from the inside. It wasn't just something he patched up or he, put, he added on to this life. But in 1 Timothy 2, this is what he says. <clears throat> he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointed, and appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor, a violent man, I was, sh- I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and in unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying, he says, that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. This murderer became a blasphemer. Uh, the murderer became a missionary. And this blasphemer became a believer. You know, and you notice that once he accepted Jesus as his Savior, recognized who he was, that he had sinned, this change came from within him. Many people think that, say, that being saved, oh, I'm going to accept Jesus Christ or I'm going to be saved. I'm going to join the church. I got to go to church. I got to give my money. I got to serve. I got to do this. I got to do that. Or I got to patch. I got to cover up all these sins. That's not what God intends for us. He intends for us to have a change of our heart that results in being accepted by him, that results in being put into service for him. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. 
It's not just I want to patch this and patch this and fix this hole. It's, it's, more, it's a change that comes from within us. And that's what Paul experienced in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. You know, he writes, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has coming. You see, coming to salvation is not just something that we add on or things that we cover up. It's a transforming of who we actually are. Now, did Paul forget about all those bad things that he had done? No, he didn't. He never forgot it. And he, he was sorry for the harm and the suffering and the pain that he, that he had caused Christians. And over and over in his letters, we see that that is what his, it was done that in, with a changed heart. Paul gives Jesus credit for strengthening him and considering him. He says, I thank Jesus Christ who gave me strength and who considered me faithful and appointed me to service. No matter what your list is today, I dare say that it doesn't match, it doesn't measure up to the things that Saul had done. And he can make that same change in your life that he made in Paul's. We may not be able to forget what we have done, but we can be thankful for God's mercy and we can have this attitude of thankfulness that will lead to humility and service to him. God will forgive those sins. He chooses to remember them no more. He can do that. We, humanly, we cannot actually really forget. Well, my wife tells me I can forget lots of stuff, okay? So I do forget. I have selective memory, I suppose, from time to time. But, okay, but I, we do remember those things that we've done. And there's still consequences. There's still consequences to our sin. But Jesus' love and his grace covers all of that, okay? He, he remembers it no more. It's not like the story that I heard of one of my loved ones that went to a, a traffic school. Many of you may be graduates of that fine institution also. But uh, they went to traffic school, and the, pur- the purpose of that was to avoid the penalty and the fine and the record and the points and all of that, that sort of stuff. And so the instructor was given all their, their, their uh, introduction there and said, hey, when, once you complete this course, you've got to stay the entire four hours. Now, if you leave early, you don't get credit, and it doesn't happen. But once you attend this, you, you, it'll, be, it'll be totally expunged from your record. It'll be as though it never happened, okay? There'll be no record for your insurance company. There'll be nothing on your background check. There'll be uh, no consequences for that. It's just like it never happened at all. And then he went on to say, I'm happy to report that no, no one that has ever graduated from this course has repeated and had to come back. Well, if all of that was true, how do they know? I don't know how that is, Okay. Unlike that, God chooses to not remember our sins. They are removed as far as the east is from the west. What a great way to begin 2018. Our prayer for you today and everything that we do at this church is that you would realize what Jesus has done for you. And because that, and he, did, he did it because he loves you. And he took your sins away, and he wants to be your friend, and he wants to be your comforter. And he wants us to have a relationship with the creator of the entire universe. He knew us even when we were knit together in our mother's womb. This is the God of the universe that he wants to have a relationship with me. You might say, I'm 40, 50, I'm 70 years old. How can I change? Well, let me tell you, just like Paul, you know, You can change. You can go from lost to saved 
by simply acknowledging that you have sinned and you accept him as your Savior. And who knows what God will do with you at 50, 60, or 70 years of age. You think that Paul, when he was Saul, you think he had any idea that he would go from persecuting and, de- and, and beating up on the church and putting people in prison and, and voting for them to be killed, that he would become the proclaimer of the gospel? That he would be the one that would want to spread the gospel to, to the entire world, both Jews and Gentiles? No, he had no stinking idea. I had no idea that I could ever be standing here today, but except by the grace of God, he has allowed me to be here and to share with you what God wants you to have. It's not what I want. It's not what we want. It's not what it's what God wants for you. Today might be the day that if you've never made that decision, you might want to do that. We'll have Monty, other staff members, myself will be down here after our, during our time of decision. And afterwards, we're here. We hang around. We're here. Just look us up. Come, come call me tomorrow on New Year's Day. It's okay, all right? And, and we want to make sure that you have every opportunity to take that step. Our Father and our God, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, Christ with so much thankfulness for what you have done. That when you said all that call on your name could be saved. When you said that your one and only son was given so that whoever, anybody in the world who would accept him and believe him would not perish but have eternal life. We thank you for giving that to us. We thank you. No matter what lies Satan may toss at us, no matter where, what we, where we think we have been, that we want today to be the day that one person might come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Maybe one of us would even be drawn closer to you and closer in our walk to you so that you could be glorified and that we could have a life that is really life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.